A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will Mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral Sleepy Girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. How would you feel if we took Bachelor Happy Hour on tour? Oh, hell yeah. That would be we need so to. fun. We, well, I think we're going to hopefully eventually. We talked about it in the past pre COVID no and it was way. actually planned. What? Yes. Yeah, we were supposed Dang, to. Dang, we I signed to. on right on time. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I mean, like, let's manifest it now, really? Michelle, but hopefully by like the fall, we can be on the road. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is what's left of Pace Case after this week. <laughs> This is Bachelor Clues. I am still here, 100% intact. Good for you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Must be nice. It's okay. It's okay. 
This is This Week in Bachelor Nation. As you know, it is a Friday. So we're going to give you all them tids. We're going to give you some of them parasocial plays. We're going to give you those screams from that pit. We're even going to talk about what we're watching in our new segment, What Are You Watching? Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're going to give you a state of the world today because some very important stuff is happening in the world and the state of the world is, of course, ever-changing. But before we get to any of that, we just want to say that we hope everyone is enjoying Gore Girl Summer so far. When we started it, we had no idea it was going to include so much, but it's really turning out to have it all. We got interviews with Tammy Lee. We got interviews with Elise Delbaum, Sarah Heron, Courtney Robertson. We got the best coverage of Bachelor Live on stage that, to our knowledge, has ever been done. We even got Pace Case contracting COVID-19 on the <laughs> festival circuit at Coachella. What more could Gore Girl Summer have to offer? Well... <laughs> We have some more incredible interviews coming up in the very near future. Next week, to be exact, is going to be one you do not want to miss. And the week after that is going to be another one you do not want to miss. So once again, we just want to thank everyone for joining us as we go through Gore Girl Summer. And rest assured, it ain't even close to being over. No, it's not. And please show the love for all of the Gore Girls uh, if you have enjoyed their appearances on the podcast. And... Yeah, you know, I'm happy to have sacrificed my body and mind for <laughs> getting COVID at Coachella for my field report. I'm luckily now recording my first podcast since I have tested negative for COVID. So that oh, is great. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yes. I can now go out in the world. And that is nice. Hmm. Right in time for a hell of a week. Uh, Speaking of a hell of a week, we also have to mention up top here that the new Game of Roses logo is almost here and it's launching next week. We're going to have links out across the Gore sphere, all of our various social media accounts. We will be describing it here as well, but get ready for it. We had our temp logo in place since the unceremonious dismissal of Dark Lord Harrison, and now we are very ready to unveil our brand new logo just in time for the historic season 19 of The Bachelorette, which will be premiering in about two months. So you're going to have plenty of time to gear up with the new Gore logo and strut your stuff into a viewing party to witness the unprecedented horrors of the Windeckia season. And now it's time to start our show by discussing some events that have happened out there in the broader world. This is beyond the scope of our beloved game, but we are going to tell you exactly how those events relate right back to our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. State of the world. There's a lot going on right now. We hit 1 million COVID deaths in the United States this week. Russia is still attacking Ukraine. And unfortunately, the hellscape keeps hellscaping. <laughs> the latest. <laughs> the Supreme Court uh, wrote a draft opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade. And this was leaked and published by Politico this week. And we must say a trigger warning here. We are going to talk about abortion and sexual assault in this segment. Please skip ahead 15, 20 minutes if you do not wish to engage with this topic. Politico got this 
what it calls a draft of the majority opinion written by Justice Alito, and it would strike down Roe v. Wade. The draft was circulated in early February, and the final opinion has not been released. Votes and language can still change. The opinion is not expected to be published until late June, and the court confirmed the authenticity of this on Tuesday stressing that it was not the final decision, but it would overturn Roe versus Wade's holding of a federal constitutional right to an abortion. This would be the most important abortion decision in decades. It's one of the, it's the most important Supreme Court decision in my lifetime, and it would transform women's reproductive health in our country completely. And there are five justices that are looking to vote this way. Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Chief Justice John Roberts did not want to completely overturn it and would have dissented with the court's three liberals. There's so many different implications of this. There are 13 states that already have trigger laws where abortion would be illegal if Roe versus Wade is struck down immediately. There's 14 other states that have other restrictions, and then there's 23 states that have broad abortion access for now. So that's 13.7 million women living in states which would ban most abortions, 19.8 million women living in states where this is women aged 15 to 44 living in states with other restrictions that would take effect. And there's 30.8 million women aged 15 to 44 who live in states that would have broad access to abortion for now. Louisiana Republicans just voted to advance a bill out of committee that would make abortion from the moment of fertilization, a crime in which the mother can be charged with homicide. I have had trouble sleeping the last couple nights, even though, you know, we have known that this was coming. There have been states making effective bans already, um, but it still hits very hard. And I haven't felt this angry in a, in a minute. I'm literally just so mad that I can't sleep. And I always thought that my children would have more rights than me, not fewer. It really feels to me like we are being ruled by a minority rule that is intent on hurting the people in this country who are already hurting the most. The most marginalized communities are the ones that are going to be affected by this. And it is fucked up. And for me, it has again, brought up this idea that to many women are second-class citizens and obviously everyone who has a uterus, not just women. And it's this implication that everyone who's not an able-bodied, white, cis, heterosexual man is a lesser human. Men are not more people than women. White people are not more people than black people. Women are not accessories. We're not womb vessels. We're not defined by our relationships with men, aka daughters, sisters, moms, etc. 
But the patriarchy is unfortunately alive and well. We spend a fifth of our lives from your first period until menopause bleeding and in pain. And it's this huge, shameful thing that is often not subsidized at all. I remember using, I used to hide my tampons in my sleeve when I would get up to go to the bathroom in high school. And we're paying out of pocket for birth control pills, IUDs, tampons, pads, diva cups, et cetera, let alone all of the payment and money investment that you have to do if you're going to carry out a pregnancy. Many of us live with reproductive organ related pain that is not just, it's just not really acknowledged in our society. I believe abortion is healthcare and that this is a ruling that is the consequence of a movement that is trying to control our bodies. And, you know, we don't force people to give up their kidneys in this country. We have the generally the rights to our own bodies. As soon as you go into a coma, we don't take out that person's organs to go to help people unless that is what the person wanted or the person they've designated decides. Even if a person dies, we don't take their organs without their consent. And we're basically saying that women have fewer rights than corpses in this case. And for me, I just, I don't care what your personal view is is on abortion. Like if you don't want to have an abortion, then I don't think you should have an abortion. But you should not, in my opinion, impose your beliefs on other people, especially in a way that's not going to do, it's not an effective way of preventing abortion. I don't think that you are quote unquote pro-life if you don't give a shit what happens to a baby after it's born. I don't believe you're pro-life if you don't give a shit about mothers and health care. Or waging war. That to me is another weird thing about the whole pro-life movement. It's like, okay, we will drastically limit women's choices where it comes to health care in terms of abortion, but uh, definitely up all the fucking spending on the defense budget and wage as much war as we can. There's a war going on right now in Ukraine. Let's stay out of that. We'll give them some weapons and stuff, but we're not going to help those people. It, it's a very obviously mm-hmm. like it's a cherry picked kind of attitude, I think, in most cases for totally. the pro-life movement. And I mean, study after study shows that this is not this is not how you prevent abortion. You prevent abortion with sexual health education. You prevent it with contraception. This is pro maternal death. This is pro-poverty. This is pro-psychological and physical trauma. This is pro-women enslavement. And, you know, women have been enslaved since the beginning of time. And it's only pretty recently that we're not as enslaved. (laughs) And I believe that forced motherhood is a form of female enslavement and that forced birth is a form of class warfare as it's disproportionately affecting already marginalized communities. Another aspect of this that I wanted to address is that we are living in a rape culture. You never know what someone is going through or has been through. And if they are a woman, like they are statistically, they've been harassed. They've been assaulted. According to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, One in five women in the United States experienced completed or attempted rape during their lifetime. One in five. Nearly a quarter of men in the U.S. experienced some form of sexual violence. 
81% of women and 43% of men reported experiencing some form of sexual harassment and or assault in their lifetime. One in three female victims of completed or attempted rape experienced it for the first time between the ages of 11 and 17. I'm not an abortion rights expert by any means. I am, but I am an expert in having lived my whole life as a woman and caveat upon caveat, privilege upon privilege being born into my situation, lucky enough to have been born into a position where I had access to healthcare, education, and whiteness. I've been accepted for my sexuality. I was born into the gender that I identify with, but I'm still a woman and that does come with a lot. There are the smaller things, walking past men and they put their hand on the small of your back. Oh, it's the small of your back, but it's touching your butt. I've been grabbed. I've been slapped. I've had men put hands up my skirt. I've had horrifying things yelled at me, sometimes multiple times in one day. Countless animal noises jeered at me, kissy noises, told to smile. I've been followed. I've been called a bitch and other things countless times. I've been sent unsolicited dick pictures. I've been sent countless threatening messages on dating apps. And then there are the bigger things. During the first Women's March, I spoke with a lot of women from my mother's generation. And they talked about realizing that they had been assaulted when they were younger and that this was kind of bringing this out, that they didn't really realize how fucked up some of the shit that they had lived through was. Because, I mean, women are incredibly strong. And it got me thinking about certain aspects of rape culture that I have accepted and, like, thought were normal. For instance, there was a frat at my extremely liberal college, uh, UC Berkeley, that was known just through the campus as the rape frat. Like, don't go there. They'll put shit in your drink. Jesus Christ. And I've talked to many friends, and there's a rape frat at, like, every campus. Like, everyone knows what the most dangerous um, places for women are, and it's just this sort of word-of-mouth kind of thing, and um, sexual assault is a huge problem in colleges. And this didn't um, this didn't really occur to me during the first Women's March, but during this week, I have been thinking about rape a lot um, for obvious reasons, and I was thinking, like, oh, like, I'm grateful that that has never been attempted on me. I was like, but I have been sexually assaulted. And I was thinking back on the story of being, of my like most prominent sexual assault memory. And I was in a bar in Echo Park, this kind of hipster uh, neighborhood in Los Angeles. And I was ordering a drink at the bar and I was wearing a dress And I felt someone grab my butt. And I didn't turn around. Like, this is how normal that is for me. Like, people grabbing my butt. I didn't even turn around. I didn't turn around the second time. And then the third time I felt it, I turned around. 
And it wasn't someone grabbing my butt. It was a guy who had his dick out and was trying to put his dick on my ass, like under my dress. Jesus fuck. And I hit him. I like punched him in the chest and I grabbed the bartender and they eventually got the bouncer to like kick this guy out. And obviously like this is a person who's dealing with mental health issues and like I was like lucky in certain ways in that situation because there were people around to help me and stuff. But like this week has made me think about it a lot and like what I would have done if it had been a slightly different circumstance and like had somehow led to a pregnancy. And and if I lived in a state with one of these like trigger laws, what you do in that situation and if you don't have money like you need money to be able to go get an out of state abortion. And, you know, that's like a trauma I've gone back to a lot. And um, thinking about what I wish I had done, like I wish I had kicked him in the dick. Like I wish I had somehow like kicked his dick off somehow. <laughs> that, that would be impressive. That's uh, yeah. Um, high level technique. I know this is like a very dark story. I've never shared it on this podcast before. I've never shared it with people that I don't know before. But I bet if you talk to the women in your life, most of them have stories like this. And many people I love and that you love have had abortions. I've taken Plan B before, which now I guess will be considered a crime (laughs) in Louisiana. No birth control is 100% effective. And I don't know. This is just like a really, this is a really hard, this is a really hard week. And I haven't been able to sleep. And I feel such rage. And I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, I tried to look up what this is, but it's kind of hard to Google. But there's a German word, which we don't have a word for, but it refers to this specific depression that is related to um, having a gap between how good you know a society could be and then the reality of what society looks like. And I I have just been thinking about that so much. It's like, we could have such a good society. We could have a utopia. Literally. Yeah. There's all the resources for that. Ha- let yeah. everyone have exactly what they need. Unfortunately, human greed stops that from happening. I mean, I everything that you have just said is like, thanks for sharing that, obviously. I know that that's a hard thing to fucking talk about. And yeah. I can't even begin to understand as a dude like what any of that is truly like. I am aligned with the mm-hmm. pro-choice movement ideologically and I I fully understand that what is happening is bad at least in terms of what I think the world should be and what I think would make the most people happy but I I will never have the first person understanding of what it's like and uh and they don't either and that's part of that's part of the problem people who don't have reproductive organs making laws about what we can do with our reproductive organs um, and this is like, it, it's incredibly depressing and dark, this situation. But the alternative is that we give up and everything gets much worse. I think that democracy is something that you have to 
fight to maintain. I think that human rights are yeah. something you have to fight to maintain, unfortunately. Clearly. I mean, what you said um, in the beginning of this was, I think, absolutely 100% correct. We are now living in a system that is governed by the minority. The majority of people in this mm -hmm. country voted for Hillary Clinton, which means if she would have gotten in, the Supreme Court justices that Donald Trump appointed would not have been appointed. It would have been other Supreme yeah. Court justices Three. who would have represented um, yeah, the majority opinion. And so I don't know how to fix that system. It seems, you know, at this mm -hmm. point, like there, the, the, I mean, there are ways to fix it. Obviously, there are political ways to fix what is going on. Are the Democrats willing to do that? Time will tell. But we are now living in this system where the minority is winning elections in quotes, not winning elections. They're losing elections, but still getting to be in power. They've finagled ways to put put justices in these positions. It's it's incredibly smart. And but there are, you know, groups that are working outside of the systems to do this work now. There are groups on Reddit that are facilitating abortions through community-based aid. And so I thought you know, to conclude this uh, sad state of the world, <laughs> um, we could discuss a few solutions. Um, and some of these are joining and donating to groups that are already doing this work. There are many of them. You can donate to abortion funds. There is one where you can split your gift between 80 different abortion funds that's secure.actblue.com slash donate slash fund abortion now. Secure.actblue.com slash donate slash fund abortion now. And then I posted a link in my bio to, it's a separate document that has a state-by-state -state breakdown of abortion funds. And you can find that at bit.ly slash abortion funds twitter bit.ly slash abortion funds f-u-n-d-s twitter and another idea that i saw that you know has a little similarity to our beloved game this is how you're going to relate all this back now <laughs> this is how we're going to come back to the back i floor. have some connectors okay. i do have some connectors so perhaps is time for a huge unionization play. Oh. I saw some very convincing Twitter threads about doing a general strike. The whole country doing repeated unionization plays until we can get what the majority of the country actually wants to be our policies. And two ways that this connects to The Bachelor. Number one, in our, gosh, I guess Twibbon last week, we were just talking about Mike Johnson and Brian Abasolo on Talking It Out, mocking the very idea of taking a woman's name. I think that is kind of representative of a uh, patriarchal view. Absolutely. That relates to this. Yeah, it's all tied in. I mean, all the things that you were talking about, too. It's like, yeah, this this uh, draft opinion came out, and it, but it's not just about abortion. It's everything that you're talking about is tied into it. The threads of our society... Mm -hmm how it is founded on these ideas of like Mike Johnson and Brian Abasolo, not only saying they wouldn't take their wife's last name, but like joking about the very concept of it, how absurd that is. Mm -hmm. Abortion access is, it is connected to all these things. It is a racial justice issue. It is a healthcare issue. 
It is a housing issue. I mean, I just like generally wish that we were paying taxes not for police and for the military, but for education, for healthcare, for all of these things that are actual proven ways. Like that, you don't stop crime. I agree with police. You if, stop crime by by building up communities. If I may, the IRS sends you a bill at the end of the year or whatever. You got to pay this much money or or here's how much money you've paid out of your paychecks over the course of the year or whatever. They have that number. There's then a website that you get to go on and it has a bunch of different places where you get to allocate the money that you've paid in taxes. That's how I think taxes should be paid. You can have the money. Just let me pick where it gets to go. That's all. Into whatever government programs exist. Never going to happen. There, there was this tweet that by this doctor that went around and went viral and I think for very good reason, because I think that it is a perfect tweet. Takara Mallard said, forced birth in a country with the highest maternal mortality rate, no paid maternity leave, no universal subsidized childcare, no continued birth parent care, and frequently inaccessible mental health care. It's hard to talk about, but it's, I feel that I have to do everything in my power to work to not get Roe overturned. Sure. And I hope if, People are on board with that idea that they are organizing within their own communities, within their own group chats, for instance. And, um, you know, I think that bodily autonomy is a human right, except, and here's going to be my other connection to Bachelor, I think you should only have to give up your human rights when you go on The Bachelor. <laughs> I don't even think Taj then. Taj can't but... pee, Taj can't poop. Yeah. At least in, in that case, you're signing a contract like that you're supposedly reading. It's stated in the contract that you give up your civil rights. So at least you know going in, that's what it's going to be. Uh, the case is a little different here in the modern United States of America. But that is the state of the world. It's a bleak state at this moment, but we still have hope. We can still turn this around. So get out there, do what you can. Like Pace Case said, get in your group chats, hit up all these things. We're going to have links to this on our social media and all of that. And... uh Let's see if we can't make the world a better place. <laughs> <laughs> and I would encourage, like, if you've never been to a political rally, like, or worked with a social justice group, just, you know, try it out. Just, you know, it's not as scary as it might seem to get involved in these things. You know, wear good shoes, wear sunscreen, make it a friend bonding thing. You're going to make some pretty signs together or you're going to call your senators together over Spade and Sparrow's wine, perchance, you know. <laughs> there are ways for this to be for social justice because it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So there are ways to incorporate it into your life in a way that is fun. Speaking of things that are fun, <laughs> now let's move on from this very serious topic into our next segment. This is one that we just premiered a few weeks ago and Pace Case and I have enjoyed it. It's already a hit. Yeah, it's already a huge hit. <laughs> huge hit. This is... What are you watching? What are you watching? I watched about the first 25 minutes of a program on Netflix.com called The Bubble. This is Judd Apatow's most recent movie. Well, I'll just say that I was told that I should watch this movie because it was unwatchable. 
And indeed it is. It is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. I can't, but I'm like salivating to watch the rest of it. I really like watching like shitty movies. So the premise of this movie mm-hmm. is, again, this is a Judd Apatow movie. This is somebody who, there's a certain kind of group of guys in movie comedy. To some degree, TV comedy, I would I would say as well. But it's Adam Sandler, it's Judd Apatow, and it's Kevin James. And in some cases, they work together with each other. But these are like, you know, these kind of like everyman type guys who in all their movies have what I have dubbed perfect life, which means like everything in the movie turns out in their favor to in some cases like insane degrees. Um, like in uh, the movie Pixels, for example, is a, a good one. Kevin James and Adam Sandler both in that one. In that one, Adam Sandler plays as a kid. He was like the greatest arcade game player of all time, but he got beat by Peter Dinklage in like this big tournament. Then in the movie, aliens invade planet Earth and they invade in the style of old video game characters. So they have to get these people Mm -hmm. who were like great at these video games when they were kids to save the Earth from these aliens. And in it, in the very end, Adam Sandler, of course, saves the world. He gets, I forget who the woman is in that one, but it's some beautiful woman. All these movies have that. That's part of Perfect Mm -hmm. Life. That these guys who are like (laughs) not supermodels wind up with supermodels like in Grown Ups 2 Adam Sandler is married to Salma Hayek and you're just like what fucking world is this ever happening <laughs> at any rate uh, in that one in Pixels Peter Dinklage in the end comes out and says hey I know that I beat you in that video game when we were 10 years old but I have to tell you the truth I cheated so even this thing even this one past thing that wasn't mm-hmm. perfect gets made perfect for him at any rate that's neither here nor there I'm 25 minutes into this fucking movie. Judd Apatow is a similar kind of like... the premise? The premise is it's taking place during COVID and a big studio has to shoot the next movie in this franchise called Cliff Beasts, which is about these flying dinosaurs. And it's like the biggest franchise in the world. It is so lazy, the premise of Cliff Beasts. Like it's supposed to be kind of a parody of a Fast and a Furious meets Jurassic Park or something. So lazy, not funny, not interesting. I mean, the title Cliff Beasts is hard to say. <laughs> Correct. A terrible, just terrible from, from top to bottom. Then all these actors show up in England to quarantine in this hotel for two weeks. And it's like, oh my God. And Karen Gillian is, um, or Gillian, I, I don't know how you pronounce her last name, but uh, she's kind of the main star of it. And so you get a whole montage of her in her room. Like, oh my God, I'm eating pizza. I'm doing whatever. She's like having a hard time doing her two weeks in quarantine. They all come out of quarantine. They start to shoot. And then the person who gets their coffee has tested positive. So then they all have to go back into quarantine again. You get another montage of now all these characters doing the two weeks in quarantine. It's just, it is belligerently bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm loving it. And so I'm like trying to savor it a little bit because it's it's just oh so terrible. God. It's got all this shit about like swabbing their noses and do, they're doing jokes with like putting the Q-tips in people's beards and shit. It's just, it's unbelievable that it's real, that this movie is real. It is, I just can't. I've never heard of it. It was a Netflix movie. Um, didn't come out in the theaters or anything. Oh. And again, it's about shooting a movie during covid the premise, it's already mm-hmm. busted. No one wants to watch that now. And there was no, no foresight to be like, well, we'll make this movie and then it'll come out a year later, which maybe people are going to not want to be looking at COVID shit. Yeah, maybe give it some time. Oh my God. It's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I recommend it if you like bad movies, if you're like a connoisseur of them. And for me at uh-huh. this point in movies, like 
after the room, which came out in the early two thousands, that I think was the last important piece of film art. Um, it's all that matters now. The deconstruction of storytelling through these like bad movies is kind of like where it's at. They're as entertaining to me as a good movie, even more so at this point, because good movies are like, there's a million good movies that have been made over the course of human history at this point. You can go watch any of them. Yeah, you know what's really hard? You make a fucking, the worst movie ever. That's hard. <laughs> That's The Room. And The Room is is a massive success because of it. I mean, I would argue that they're not shitty movies. I would argue that they're then great movies. That's how I feel about reality TV. I'm like, it's not trash TV. It's perfect. TV. But that's like a different genre. I mean, a movie is, is, depending on what genre it is or whatever, it's trying to hit certain marks. You're trying to like be invested in the characters, care about the outcome, interested in the plot, whatever. Or the performances can sometimes do weird things to a movie. That's the room essentially is like bad premise, bad plot, bad execution, bad acting, strange overuse of special effects for no reason. And a really... Strange overuse. (laughs) Do you see the beasts? The cliff beasts? Oh, yeah. You get full scenes from the movie they're making. So it will go from like behind the scenes shit of them doing the movie to just like a scene in the movie where you see the full special effects and shit. It's it's top to bottom just a fucking mess. And I can't wait to finish it. Anyway, what are you watching? I remember that I watched when Adam Sandler was given that like carte blanche thing at Netflix to make any movie he wanted. Not I didn't watch The Cobbler, but I watched the other one where he and a woman end up like being involved in some sort of murder or something. It was so confusing. It was one of the most confusing movies I've ever seen. Yeah, the Cobbler's an interesting one to bring up. That one can I've I've watched all of Sandler's canon. It's an interesting body of work to say the <laughs> least. I'm fascinated with it. But in the Cobbler, if you don't know, the premise of the Cobbler is he is he comes from a long line of cobblers, and in his cobbling studio, uh, his cobbling machine breaks, and so he dusts off this old one that has been passed down through generations, and it's magic. And when you cobble shoes with this cobbling machine, and then put them on you become, you assume the visual identity of the person whose shoes they are. And so in one scene mm-hmm. in this movie, this like good looking guy comes in who's kind of an asshole to have his shoes cobbled and Sandler cobbles them. And he has seen that this guy has like this super hot girlfriend. So he puts the guy's shoes on and he goes and he almost does a rape. He like <gasps> is in the... Like Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, he's in the, the woman's house. He's about to get into the shower with her. And then he's like, I can't do this. And he walks away. Oh, my God. That's right. And nothing happens to him. I'm not going to be watching The Cobbler. (laughs) What am I watching? I am. I found out that Jake has never seen Happy Endings. Have you seen that show? Yeah, I've seen probably 10 to 15 episodes. I love that show. It's a half hour comedy about a friend group. I think it was made in like 2010-ish. So there's some stuff that is not going to hold up, but it is hilarious. It is so funny. It is extremely well-written. The cast is incredible. There's a couple duds, I would say, but the rest of the cast are so funny. And it goes off Netflix at the end of May, I just realized. So if you're going to watch it, get in now. And I also started The Ultimatum, which is the Netflix trying to do Love is Blind next iteration. It's got Nick and Vanessa Lachey hosting again. It's the same production company as Love is Blind. Oh, 
That makes sense. I would say it is somewhat less thought out than Mm -hmm. Love is Blind. It is sort of a chaotic um, structure and the premise blows up pretty early on in some ways. And all of the people that they got for this are like in their early 20s, which is like very bizarre that they are all issuing marriage ultimatums in their early 20s. And it just makes me think they want to be influencers. So I'm enjoying it for, you know, as I'm enjoying a a lot of reality dating shows, it's like it's enjoying the like journey of watching people who want to be influencers pretend to engage in these other things. And I'm only halfway through maybe. So I haven't really seen how it ultimately plays out, but I'm enjoying it. (laughs) By the way, they do do a lot of praising of the process, even though it's a season one show. So it doesn't make any sense to praise the process. They're like, but that's why we're here. You know, trust the process. I mean, this is going to be good for us. It's like, you don't know that. Yeah, not <laughs> you yet. You don't know any of that. Well, they do kind of know. It's like... <laughs> they will in season two. Yeah, it could be good for us if we become influencers. But that's what we're watching right now. And let's now move on to the next segment of our show in which we discuss all those luscious tids. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims support for today's episode comes from one skin if you have sensitive skin you're going to want to hear about one skin's scientifically proven topical supplements this is face eye body shield And it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. 
That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to Gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. This is... Bachelor Nation News. To open Bachelor Nation News, we have a Bachelor Live on Stage update. As you know, last week, the Dark Seeker and myself attended Bachelor Live on Stage here in Los Angeles, and we delivered an in-depth account of our experience earlier this week. Since that episode's release, I've been flooded with DMs from people who attended the event in their own cities. These DMs essentially serve as notes that we are now comparing to get a better idea about the differences that are yes. at each of these various showings. In-depth reporting. It truly is. Uh, and what I'm learning from these notes is that there are no differences between the shows in the different cities <laughs> whatsoever. Even down to what I mistakenly thought was a candid moment on stage between the Big Body Trash Can and his Tropical Royale significant other Becca Kufrin. I reported that at one point during the show that me and Dark Seeker went to, the Big Body Trash Can emerged from offstage with the couple's dogs. He then took center stage with Kufrin, where he blurted out that they were trying to have kids, and then Kufrin seemed to get angry and tell him to, in quotes, shut the fuck up. Again, I thought this was a real moment. I thought that this was mm. something off script that she was getting pissed at. Pulling a pace case gullible town. <laughs> but now, after receiving countless DMs from people explaining that they saw the exact same exchange between Big Body Trash Can and Kufrin in different cities, it's clear that this is actually written into the show for some reason. And Bachelor Live on stage <laughs> offers nothing genuine at all. I even got a DM that Garrett Ygarian delivered an almost identical line way back in the pre-pandemic Bachelor Live on stage. So the idea to lie to the audience about <laughs> attempting to have kids has been baked into Bachelor Live on stage since the beginning. Uh, thank you to everybody who DM'd me to help me get to the bottom of this. I don't really understand why they would do this, but that's where we are with it. I don't understand it either. I guess it's to try to get like an Us Weekly article. But if they're doing it at every... Uh, there were like 40 of these right. shows. There's no... 
it's just a strange thing, I think, to like titillate the audience or something. I'm not exactly yeah, get sure. Yeah, them in a tizzy. They want to see that tropical royale baby. But the the key takeaway for me for all of this is that it's all 100% scripted. The Bachelor Live on Stage experience is about as real as any of the Bachelor podcasts, the official ones. Straight lies. Straight lies. Yeah, the part that they don't tailor the show at all to the specific man and just insert his name with tape is, what are we doing here? It's literally <laughs> a piece of construction paper on the cue cards that is a different color than the cue card itself. So if you're sitting close enough in the audience, it's extremely apparent. You're like, they just fucking taped his name on They can't even write one new cue card. This is insane. I mean, I think it probably still has some of the intended purpose. Those guys probably got laid a lot. Who? All the Bachelor Live Bachelors of the Live on Stage. Oh, you think that's what happens after the Bachelor Live on Stage ends? They just fucking go out to the bar and like, yeah. whoever's around. No way. Go on. Not whoever's around, but they got their riot, their riot dates lined oh. up in the audience. Oh, okay. I'm believing this now. Who knows? <laughs> it gives them a a certain cachet. It's like a yeah. minor league baseball or whatever. Speaking of things that turn out to be different than we originally thought. Next up in Bachelor Nation News, Bachelor Season 25 lead Matt James has a new book out. First Impressions, Off-Screen Conversations with a Bachelor on Race, Family, and Forgiveness was released this Tuesday, and the revelations contained within its pages are taking the nation by storm, including the fact that James didn't know he was the first Black Bachelor in the show's 20-year history until shortly before shooting his season. James told Us Weekly, I wasn't really asking the right questions, or I guess I didn't think that was something that hadn't been done. It's 2022. I didn't think that that was something that we hadn't crossed yet. I've seen a bunch of black people come through the franchise that I guess I assumed there had been a black bachelor. James does cover some of his experience surrounding the Rachel Kirkconnell controversy during his season, but purposely omitted any discussion of the Dark Lord's dismissal from the franchise, citing, we spent enough time talking about that stuff. I hate beating a dead horse and everything's played out how it's played out. And there's no need to go back to something that we've talked about so much. Because, unfortunately, those type of conversations overshadowed context that I would have liked to have been applied to the season that would have answered a bunch of, a bunch of questions. They had things that I talked about and discussed and went into depth in my dates and on group dates and on one-on-ones that never aired. So I didn't want to take any more time to talk about that stuff. I wanted to focus on themes that I felt could really help people. And I don't think that going back on that would be any help to anybody. In his book, James explains that he barely recognized himself as he watched the premiere. This had been billed as my season, he writes, but it wasn't. Not really, at least. I thought I was in the driver's seat. I didn't remember handing over ownership of my story, but watching the premiere, it was clear that I had. The producers would craft my story now. James describes his season as being dominated by, in quotes, blatantly inauthentic dramatic twists that waited around every corner. Stay tuned for moments, drama for drama's sake. I didn't appreciate just how mean-spirited people could get with one another. The calculated conflicts wore on me. James also goes into detail about his relationship with Kirkconnell, how he handled the photos of her attending an antebellum ball, his relationship with his family, and much more about his experience being the first Black Bachelor. Congrats to Matt James for penning this incredible addition to the canon of former leads that has become so instrumental 
and bettering our understanding of our beloved game. Next up in Bachelor Nation news, it's festival season in the nation. And after an incredible player turnout at Coachella last week, several top players and Paradise hopefuls alike turned out for the festival that has become synonymous with our beloved game. Stagecoach. The king of stagecoach himself, Baylock Eye, a.k.a. Blake Hortzman, was not only in attendance this year, but he elevated his status from attendee to performer by DJing on stage. Horseman was instrumental in weaving Stagecoach into our beloved game on BIP Season 6. After producers used knowledge about his romantic endeavors at Stagecoach 2019 to build a villain narrative for him. Along with Horstman, the all-time Instagram leader, Hannah Brown was in attendance. Pizza mom Amanda Stanton showed up with her 10-year-old daughter, Kinsey, and her fiancé, Michael Fogel. Victims of a forced producer breakup on last season of BIP, Fimpro's recipient, Abigail Herringer, and young Noah Herb made the trek to Indio, California as well. Bachelor at season 17 lead, Katie Thurston donned a cowboy hat for the event, and the big body trash can himself, Thomas Jacobs, also turned out for some steel guitar. Along with these heavy hitters, some rookies showed the nation that they understand the importance of the festival circuit during the offseason. Cassidy Timbrooks, Haley Malls, Kira Mengistu, Hunter Hogg, and Kate Gallivan all posseed up for some fantastic parasocial play in cowboy boots and hats. We'll know very soon if they were able to generate any off-season romances that might lead to narratives on the upcoming season eight of Bachelor in Paradise that is scheduled to go into production in the beginning of June. Congrats to everyone for surviving Stagecoach and doing all their good work. Our next challenge. <laughs> That's right. Stagecoach 2023, clues and pace case. I, I mean, I'm down. I'm down to do it if you are. I don't know how I will survive that. I'm going to have to get in a hotel, but uh, I'm definitely not going to be doing the camping. I'm not camping again. But what you have to do, I think, is get somewhere you can bicycle to, and I'll bring my bike. I ain't riding a bike. I guess you, you probably don't want to bicycle. Nah, I ain't riding a fucking bike. <laughs> we'll figure something out for you. Yeah, some kind of portable bubble that I can just sit in. Next up in Bachelor Nation news, it's the Senior Bachelor. We all remember hearing about the possibility of a Bachelor-style show that would feature players outside the normal age range of our beloved game. That was back in 2020. Since then, we haven't heard any new information about it. But this week, the head of ABC Alternative Programming, Rob Mills, said, in quotes, We absolutely want to get it done, but we want to do it right. Do it safely and not at the expense of the other Bachelor cycles, so it's on hold. But I have to say... We had never seen a response like we've seen here. I think it's definitely coming sooner rather than later. Mills teased that Gabby Wendy's grandfather, John, might be in contention for the show, saying, I would be crazy to say that we didn't notice all the affection and interest in Gabby's grandfather, so you never know. Everyone wants to see him find love. Gabby's grandfather really gave the thesis of what the show should be, which is that he found that great love. We saw that he still wears the ring. So by the way, he might not be ready for something like this. And then there's the question of having one great love in your lifetime. But can you have another? Time will tell, I suppose. This is very interesting, though. The most interesting thing that came out of this was Mills saying he didn't want to make this show at the expense of the other Bachelor cycles. So that means it would be airing in the off season if they're going to do it. And finally, <laughs> in Bachelor Nation news, a big happy birthday goes out to the ultimate Viking himself who began his 29th trip around our dying sun on April 29th. Happy birthday, Clayton. Happy birthday, 
Clayton. Let's go. And now it's time for us to delve into all those plays that our players are making off the field on their telephones. This is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. The magnificent and ultimate goat, Caitlin Bristow and her paramour, Jason Tardick, dance to the popular TikTok sound, money, jiggle, jiggle, want to see you wiggle, wiggle sound, with ramen and pino in the background. The caption reads, we had two date night options, one, a nice sushi dinner, or two, learn a vibey dance. Which would you do? Duh. And it is vibey. The post has close to 800,000 views. Cassidy Timbrooks, champion of Friends with Benefits on the Ultimate Viking season, posted a Twitter thread in quotes, you know what else we should address? Domestic murder rates being certain to rise when men, especially in low-income communities, would rather kill their partner than get stuck with 18 years of child support. Women will die. It goes without saying that if there are more unplanned slash unwanted pregnancies and voluntary abortion is not available... This will certainly be a death sentence for many women in abusive relationships. Pregnant women are 16% more at risk of being killed than non-pregnant women. You're not going to like this stat either. This risk is tripled for black women who are already statistically significantly more likely to be the victims of domestic homicide than white women. I did not know these statistics, and I've been impressed with Tim Brooks's parasocial play. She did several posts that were at the top of the forums this week about um, access to abortion this week. And I checked these stats. There's a study published in obstetrics and gynecology where they compared homicide and pregnancy related deaths. And they found that U S women who are pregnant or were pregnant in the past 42 days die by homicide at more than twice the rate that they die of bleeding or placental disorders, the leading causes of what are usually classified as pregnancy related deaths. And becoming pregnant increases the risk of death by homicide between the ages of 10 and 44 years. Women who are pregnant or had their pregnancy end in the past year are killed at, at a rate of 16% higher than women who are not pregnant. I like disturbing. Yeah, Absolutely that is disturbing. Well, thanks. Go out to Cassidy Timbrooks for illuminating us with this information and this astounding parasocial play. The iconic dynamic duo that is former crown Jojo Fletcher and Becca Tilly attended stagecoach together last week and made a TikTok where they go from casual to country. The caption reads, did we have to spray menthol pain reliever on our feet to make it through? Sure. Did we have a blast scooting around in our boots? Absolutely. Cowboy hat emoji, palm tree emoji, two dancing girl emojis. The post has 45.3K likes on Tilly's Instagram and 188.6K views on her TikTok. The tear god. Ashley Iaconetti shared a reel of her and Jared Iaconetti's love story the caption reads, a not-so-classic story of boy meets girl. The video highlights male goat and infamous dating advice giver Nick Vial saying, in quotes, you're not going to be with him. I'm sorry. <laughs> you will never be with Jared. Then Iaconetti shows her and Jared. Jared. <laughs> <laughs> then Iaconetti shows herself and Jared getting married and then having a baby. The video has 540,000 views and 38,000 likes. They also put out a, a very interesting Instagram story this week of them performing karaoke at their cafe in New Jersey. Loved seeing it. What they sing, Disney? Yeah. I believe it was the Aladdin song. Was mm -hmm. it? 
I don't fucking remember what it was. All that was going through my mind when I saw it was like, I have to get to that cafe to sing a Creed song or something. I have to get to that cafe. (laughs) Nate Olukoya posted a TikTok this week about his time in the fantasy suite with Michelle Young to a song that starts with the lyrics, boy, I've got options. Over the song, Olukoya mouths shirtless in bed like he's having a discussion during this crucial round of playoffs. The TikTok has 10.4K likes and 257K views. These parasocial plays were all top-notch, but there can be only one winner, and that award goes to the horse, Balakai himself. Blake Horstman celebrated his full circle moment by posting pictures and videos of his headline, set at stage coach the post included a caption that taunted the same producers who tried to use the stagecoach story to destroy him in paradise in quotes full circle winking kissy face i can't express the love i feel for the thousands that came out last night heart emoji i have never felt energy like that at stagecoach is something special and that honky-tonk tent was like nothing i have seen those of you that came out we are family baby Smiling face with a cowboy hat emoji. See you next year. Hashtag high producers. Hashtag we met at stagecoach. Hashtag nice try. Nice Loved try. seeing that shit. Loved seeing that shit. I love when former star players remind the producers they're the celebrities. They're the ones in control of their own narrative now. And they can do whatever the fuck they want. Love it. Fantastic. You know, I wasn't at stagecoach. I had covid and I had not the energy to do that after Coachella, but the videos of this performance in the honky tonk tent, I don't know how videos could be electric, but they were, and I loved them. And I was so proud of Bela Kai for reclaiming that narrative. And, you know, he's living his dream. It's wonderful to see. Here's my problem with Stagecoach and why I think it would be the, the hardest thing for me about it if I were to go there is I, I really like, I hate country music. Mm. It's one of the only kinds of music that I cannot stand. It is like, it's painful to me to hear it. All of it. Uh, With some very rare exceptions. Like Shania Twain. No, (laughs) I don't like it. Taylor Swift. No, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is the worst week ever. I like EDM and I like 90s grunge and that's about it. (laughs) That's not true. I like pretty much all music that is not country. Well, you're doing it for journalism. You're not doing it for musical passion. No, I know. But country music, it affects me very negatively. Like I I won't be able to concentrate and shit. Put earplugs. That's what I'm saying. I might have to be wearing headphones that's playing other music or something. We'll see. Anyways... (laughs) Now let's move on to the parasocial plays of some non-human members of our nation. We're talking about the parasocial creature of the week, and this week there were some contenders. The ultimate Viking got to hang out with a sloth for his 29th birthday. Nate Olakoya and Percy did some carpool karaoke. John Hersey and his pup Dexter did a little sunbathing. These were all great, but there can only be one winner. And this week, the parasocial creature of the week award goes to... A goat who was strutting his stuff all over the Indio Desert in celebration of Stagecoach. And this goat had enough game sense to strut that stuff right up to Katie Thurston's window so she could get an Instagram reel of him. 
Now, this game <laughs> is incredible all by itself, but it doesn't stop here. As soon as Thurston turns the camera on this magnificent creature, he proceeds to take a shit, giving us nostalgic vibes reminiscent <laughs> of the shitting donkey from Matt James season 25 of The Bachelor. Congrats to this goat for this incredible stagecoach shit play and congrats to Katie Thurston for recording it all and posting it for us to see. I love when creatures have game sense. <laughs> we very rarely see shit play in our beloved game. And engage in scat play. <laughs> it, it's super rare, but when shit we see it, is rare. I'm always appreciative. We had Chad Johnson and this goat and the donkey. <laughs> and I would even say Taj qualifies as scat play by saying that she couldn't poop. You're right. That rounds out all the parasocial plays <laughs> from humans and non-humans alike, all the scat play, all the non-scat play. Now it is time for Pace Case and I to descend deep into the pit to issue forth our screams about how our fandom of our beloved game has overtaken our lives. This is... Screams from the pit! My scream this week is that immediately after learning about the Supreme Court decision, I felt like my social media was pretty quiet. You know, crickets in the feeds, etc. And I realized that this is because my feed is only giving me Bachelor people at this point. And that actually a lot of people are up in arms about this. And some Bachelor people, you know, you got Cassie Timbrooks out there. You got Rachel Kirkconnell posting a very eloquent Instagram story about this. Elizabeth Corrigan out there. Some some people. But Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now. Head to toe, dressed in quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. <laughs> I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. 
As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I was, I, I, the fact that everything is filtered through Bachelor so that it's now changing my like perception of reality is, um, it's something. Yeah, I, I know exactly this feeling. I don't remember when it happened for me. It was probably sometime when we, it was probably sometime actually around Bachelor season 21. It was Vial season 2016, where I was doing a lot of Bachelor memes. Something about that season really got to you, huh? Well, it was when I started kicking meme production to high gear. And as a result, I was following exclusively Bachelor people on my Bachelor Clues account. And that was obviously during the 2016 election. And like, I didn't see a lot of news about that in that feed. And I was just like, this is weird. And I'm like, oh, no, it's because it's all Bachelor shit. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Get your news on Twitter. Look, I was on Twitter also. And I mean, that's part of why I was haven't slept this week it's just doom scrolling yep the doom scroll will get you <sighs> yeah what is your scream my scream this week is about not a doom scroll but a zoom meeting i couldn't rhyme it with scroll sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> a poet for our, our age <laughs> yeah i got an email from a friend of mine that i've known since college We haven't talked in a minute, but he is producing a TV show currently that is kind of like a docu show. And he hit me up and he was like, hey, you know, what's up? Would you be down with doing a Zoom with me and the host of this show about cryonics? 
because you're the only person I know who's <laughs> going to get frozen when you die. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And they're thinking about doing some segment about it or whatever, right? Uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay, yeah. There was nothing mentioned in this email about The Bachelor or any of that. I click into the Zoom. We start talking about cryonics. I'm telling everybody in this Zoom call everything that I know about how much I pay for the thing and the life insurance and where the facility is located. And the cryo feast and the cryo magazine. I talked about cryonics magazine and the cryo feasts. And I talked about how the it's the 50th anniversary of this company. Alcor is happening now and they're having a big event in uh, Scottsdale, I think for the 50th anniversary mm. coming up in June. Lion Dyke territory. Exactly. And so I was like, oh, you guys should go out there. You know, I'm sure you'd have a, a weird time talking to all these people because some <laughs> people who are into it are like like lifestyle enthusiasts of cryonics. I would say if you are signed up to have your body frozen, I think you're inherently a lifestyle cryo person. No, no, no. You're you're not. I'm never trying to convince people to fucking freeze their body. I don't talk about this shit unless somebody asks me. You know what I mean? There are mm-hmm. other people in this community that are like the way we are about the, the bachelor. Yeah. Wake up in the future with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I don't think it's going to work. I actually think it's a bad idea. I think there's like a 0. 0.0 infinity 1% chance that I will be unthawed. But for me that's like uh, it's worth a dice roll, I guess. There are other people who are like no, this is going to work. This is how we beat death, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. we're talking about the cryonics. Then somehow, I can't even really recall how it happened. The entire Zoom call just moves into talking about The Bachelor. And I'm starting to go through very detailed descriptions of what the game is like, how it's a mirror for our society, how you know, Bachelor Live on stage was how there's these podcasts that uphold the <laughs> live. On stage. I'm, I just go into all of it. And it's like, usually when I do this, I could see people's eyes kind of glaze over. That wasn't the case here. They were fascinated by this shit. And that just fueled it even more. And I kept fucking going. And you're like, and I they have a new docuseries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't know what they'll do with it. Probably nothing. But I just was astounded that it went from cryogenic freezing to, and again, I don't remember what the transition was or how I even did this, but I did it and it worked. <laughs> I just went into a straight fucking like, here's a thesis on The Bachelor. And I haven't done that in a minute. I certainly haven't done it in a uh, a situation like this. Not that this was like necessarily a professional situation. I'm not working on the show. They were just kind of like doing fact finding and I was like happy to help out my buddy. But it was nonetheless a semi-professional situation. situation. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Pre-consulting. Yeah, I mean, informally, not not any kind of contract being signed or anything. But I found it pretty funny and I hope they enjoyed their the dissertation that I gave them on The Bachelor. But now, it has come that time for us to delve deep into the pit and scrape up a scream as it's bouncing off the walls, <laughs> echoing down around here with us. This one comes to us from ACB10D. That is the username. And if you want to submit your screams to us so that we might play them just like the one we're about to play, you just go to patreon.com slash game of roses. You join our discord. And then in our discord, there's a channel where you can submit a one minute or shorter audio clip. And we play some of our favorites here and then talk about them. Are you ready, Pace Case, to hear this scream from user ACB10D? <laughs> Let's go. 
eye pit. As the end of Ultimate Viking season drew near, so did the due date of my first bond. When I was nine months pregnant, I looked at the release schedule and was relieved to see that the finale would air a full two weeks before my due date. On the Thursday before finale week, I was texting my friend Lean, who dragged me into the pit back in 2020, about the imminent dramatic finale. I messaged her that the baby needed to stay put until at least Wednesday so I could watch the finale comfortably at home. I also thought it would be perfect because then I could catch up on recap episodes while in labor. But the next day, Friday before the finale, my doctor advised I be checked into the hospital and induced. I can't lie that every day in the hospital that passed with no sign of baby left me less hopeful of being home to watch the finale. Ironically, my daughter was born at 7.30 a.m. on March 14th, the day of Clayton's finale. A mere 12 hours later, I sat in my hospital room watching the show live on my small in-room hospital TV, annoyed with every nurse and doctor who interrupted the document to check on me and my newborn baby. Since being home, baby has slept through several gore episodes, making her the youngest member of the pit. Wowie. Wowie. I'm glad you got to see the finale live as it aired. First of all, ACB10D. And thank you for submitting this scream. Is your child the youngest member of the pit? I'm not sure. Have there been other babies born into the pit? I don't know. It's possible. But I believe this is the first confirmation we have of it via Scream. We need to start playing the podcast for pre-babies in the womb. (laughs) You put the phone on your tummy. Just let it listen. Please rate this podcast. It comes out. That's its first words. Oh, my God. Please never let that happen. I'm sorry if that ever happens to anyone. But I thought this was a fantastic Scream. It perfectly illustrates how fandom of our beloved game can seep into every corner of your life, even something this important. Having a kid is (laughs) potentially one of the most important moments of your life, one of the ones that will impact it for the rest of your life, and somehow still the concern of, I need to be home to watch this finale of the Ultimate Viking season, one of the worst-rated seasons in the history of the fucking show that no one was watching. Nonetheless, ACB10D had to be home for it and, and wasn't. You know, and I can understand how you'd be super annoyed at those doctors and nurses coming in to fucking interrupt you. Oh my God. Healthcare in this country interrupting the document. <laughs> um, well, first of all, congratulations on your first spawn. Very exciting. I loved this scream. I thought it was beautiful storytelling, AC, and I feel like I can relate to it, and I'll probably be watching some sort of reality TV when I have Spawn, hopefully. My partner is playing a game called Elden Ring. Have you seen that? Yes. I have seen it. I have played it. You've played it? I've put many hours into it, as have many people. Yeah, he's very into it. And our friend sent me this DM of someone who was giving birth and the the partner was playing Elden Ring in the hospital. And this made me think of it. I was like, I think that's great, you know? Just like the Iconettis and Tom Brady jerseys and stuff. You know, bring your stuff in. Or your crystal, you bring in your ring light. Bring whatever makes you you. Makes you feel most at home. (laughs) Right. And in this case, it is The Bachelor, the most dystopian piece of media currently Mm -hmm. made in America. Whatever document you want. But thank Mm -hmm. you once again to ACB10D for that beautiful scream. And thank you to everybody for joining us today for this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope you have enjoyed it or at least been informed by some of it, even the darker stuff that we we had to discuss. 
what's going on in our country at mm-hmm. the top of this episode. But we will be back next week with the continuation of Gore Girl Summer. You're not going to want to miss who we got coming up on yes. Tuesday. I think you will be very excited to hear this. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,347 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Roe v. Wade. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 